The message I have on my heart, lest the Lord says something else in the next ten minutes, is something I've never preached on before. Never, uh, never preached it. And uh, he gave it to me in about an hour. <laughs> Kawam. <laughs> and uh, I'm believing God. Are you believing God with me? But I just know in my spirit, I know in my spirit that we yield, you and I both, properly for the next several minutes, that this will be a breakthrough night. A breakthrough in people's lives. There's some things that may not make you feel good at the moment as you look and examine yourself, but when you see the answer and you see the freedom, there are things that people have struggled with and agonized with, and you've had problems and just haven't been able to overcome. And if you get this and make the changes, that'll stop. And what you've struggled so hard to produce unsuccessfully, you'll learn how to back off and and change some things, and God will begin to do it, and it'll just happen wonderfully. It'll just, what you struggled with for years, it'll just begin to happen in a few days. Amen? I believe tonight is supposed to be a breakthrough night. Amen. By the word of God. And now you, you know, you can't always uh, see uh, miracles. Some you can. Others you can't. Some things happen deep in the hearts of individuals. Sometimes uh, their, their, their minds are, are, are wavering on something. And in the midst of it, they decide that's the word. I'm going to believe the word. And something happens deep down in them that changes the course of their life. You don't see it at the moment. They still look the same tomorrow morning, but they're different. (laughs) They're changed. And their outcome of their life will be different than it would have been. That's a miracle. I said, that's a miracle. So let's believe God for it. Can you say amen? You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Peter 4. 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Peter 4. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have the great exposition on love. Such a wonderful, wonderful passage. And uh, if we lived this every day, we would be way down the road in our walk with God. We're down the road in our faith walk, because faith works by love. And I'm not going to, I just want you to turn there for reference sake, because I'm going to read to you a a compilation of uh, different translations and different definitions of these statements of what love is, what love looks like, what it sounds like. And then we're going to just specify a couple of things. In 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about the characteristics of love beginning with verse 4. And instead of reading that, I'm going to read these. It says, love suffers or puts up with or endures long and is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or begrudge another's success or blessing. Love doesn't vaunt itself, isn't puffed up. It makes no parade of itself. It doesn't put on airs. It doesn't cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. It isn't arrogant. It isn't conceited. Love doesn't behave itself unseemly or improperly. It is never rude, unmannerly, or indecent. Love doesn't seek its own. It is never selfish. It doesn't insist on its own way or rights. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily provoked. It is not touchy. It is not irritable. It is not quick to take offense. Love thinks no evil. It doesn't keep score or keep record or keep account of wrongs done to it. It hardly notices when someone does it wrong. 
Love rejoices not in iniquity. It's never glad when wrong occurs or evil prevails. It's never glad when others go wrong or are destroyed. But it rejoices in the truth. It rejoices at the triumph of right and good. Love bears all things. It overlooks faults. It's slow to expose, Moffat said. It believes all things, is ever ready to believe and eager to believe the best. Always has a confident expectation no matter what. It endures all things and never quits. Love never fails. Hallelujah. Now, who are we just talking about? God is love. Now, all of these are characteristics of love, but I want you to notice a couple in particular. Love thinks no evil. Others' definitions and, and, and translations. It doesn't keep score. It doesn't record or account wrongs done to it. And the Weymouth says, love overlooks faults. Love overlooks faults. Everybody said that out loud with me. Love overlooks faults. Now, go to the place you're holding there in 1 Peter. 1 Peter, the 4th chapter. And the 8th verse. Well, let's, let's read verse 7 with it. 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. And watch unto prayer, and above all things. Should we take that seriously? Above what? Above all things have fervent charity. One translation says deep love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Love covers the multitude of sins. It doesn't expose. It covers. We live in a society that is quick to expose. We live in a, in a society where the media is so prevalent. And their whole job is to show something, expose something, and to reveal something, preferably something bad. Somebody caught doing something they shouldn't do. I mean, you can, you can turn on the, the TV any time of the night or day and find something along this line. Somebody being exposed. But if love covers a multitude of sins, what's the opposite of that? Exposing. Uncovering. Revealing. And yet, this is so prevalent in our society that I, I started to say I fear, but it's, it's beyond that. I know that a lot of this has crept into the church. And there's this mentality of expose it. Show it. Get it out in the open. Let everybody see it. And there is a confusion. There is a twisted concept that if we are people of integrity, and if we are honest people, then we do not cover anything. We expose it. Are you with me? Yes. And that is not... The divine love principle. Because love does what? Love covers. See, that, that almost sounds strange to us. Because immediately you think, well, cover up something? Wouldn't that be wrong? And so we need mind renewal. I said we need mind renewal. We need to discern and distinguish between what is deception and what is love? What is a lie? And what is love? 
Are you with me now? In the book of Proverbs, you'll find this. Numerous scriptures that talk about covering. He said, above all things, have fervent charity. NIV says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs, the 10th chapter and the 12th verse, you don't have to turn there, but it says, hatred stirs up strifes. The NIV said, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all sins. The NIV says, love covers all wrongs. Another New Testament reference, James, in the New Testament, in the 5th chapter, the 19th and 20th verse, he says, Brothers, if any of you do err from the truth, and one converting, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. God is not in the redemptive work in the business of exposing sin, but in covering. Boy, y'all are quiet this evening. Let me read some scriptures to you. So you know it's not something I thought up this afternoon. Psalm 32 which is quoted in the New Testament in Romans 4. He said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. Romans 4 says, David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And in modern society, and sadly in much of the church world, the reality of what God has said in His Word has been reversed. In the word, we are told not to cover our sin, but to cover others' sin. But that's been reversed. And people are all about covering their own tracks. Hiding their own faults. And exposing others. And the sad thing is, they do it with a sense of righteousness. In their own eyes. I had a pastor not that long ago from another state. We he and I were on the phone together talking about some things. And he said, well, Brother Keith, don't you agree that if we see something that's wrong, it's our job to, to say something about it and to expose it? I said, absolutely not. No. It is not our job to say something about everything we see. That's wrong. And yet we've got all these Holy Ghost policemen around. Who feel, I mean, they feel that they're doing their duty to God. By always running around going, look, look. Look, there's sin in the count. Sin in the count. Sin over here. Sin. Bad doctrine, bad doctrine, alert, alert, bad doctrine. That's right. Somebody says, well, what do you, you mean we're not supposed to do that? Are you kidding? It is violating the New Testament command. How do we love each other? See, people have all kind of goofy ideas about what it means to, to love each other. But we've got to get back to the Word. What does the Word say me loving you is? I just read it a few minutes ago. Right? And we're not going through the whole thing tonight. But among other things, love covers. Everybody say covers. But can you see how that in the minds of the modern hearer, when you hear the word cover, you think, hmm, I don't cover stuff up. 
And that's just the problem. Because see, the, the mentality of the world has crept in the church. People think that you are anything, that any well-known figure, be it a politician, be it a movie star, be it whoever, especially a minister. Somebody's supposed to be living right. And if they do something or it's found out something that they have said wrong or done wrong or problem in their life, people feel like it is our duty before God to let that be known. To, to uncover it. And I mean, there are people, that's their whole life is digging up dirt. Billions are made off of digging up dirt. Digging up dirt. Why? Because the people have a right to know. And the church world has a right to know. The people have a right to know. Where did you find that scripture? Where is that verse at? The people have a right to know. Where is that at? I haven't read that one. I have read numerous places that love covers. Love covers. Everybody said out loud. Love covers. We got to get this in our spirit. We got to let this change our thinking. Change the way we deal with things. This brother was shocked when I didn't agree with him. This fellow minister I'm talking about in another state. He said, well, if I, if I hear somebody teaching something wrong, isn't it my responsibility to get up in my pulpit and tell the people this was taught and tell them that it's wrong? Isn't it your responsibility as a minister as you go around to tell people that that's not right? And so I said, absolutely not. No. No. If that's, the, if that's the case, then it's my job to point out the faults and to point out the failures and to point out the mistakes in the body. Nobody is called to that. Nobody has any such ministry. It is the ministry of fault finding. And it's in the devil's ministry. And don't you, don't you wonder, he will anoint you to do it. <laughs> but not the Holy Ghost. You have ever had an intense discussion with someone? Some people call them fights. But an intense discussion, even with a loved one. And as you're talking, you think about things that they've done in the past. You think about mistakes they made. In fact, you think about things you haven't thought of in 20 years. And, and, and it just flows. It just flows. One thing after another. In fact, it, it, it's like you're anointed. Because you are. But not of the Holy Ghost. Because he's not the condemner. I said he's not the condemner. If the Lord wanted us exposed, all he'd had to do is nothing. But he went to great lengths so that the blood was shed. So that we would be covered and cleansed. So that when you and I stand before the master on that day, he doesn't see all the junk. He doesn't see all our mistakes. He doesn't see why. And the scripture says they won't be mentioned. They won't be mentioned. Hallelujah. I know uh, when I first went to Ramah, I used to sit on the front row every day in healing school. Every day. Brother Hagin's teaching. He'd come by sometimes, stand almost right in my face, twiddle his thumbs and teach. I knew he was a man of God. I knew he got revelation. I knew he saw things. And in my spiritual youth, I thought, oh, God. <laughs> I bet he knows all, <laughs> all the stuff I've messed up on. <laughs> I'm not the only one that's ever felt that way. With different, numerous people and ministers. 
And uh, one day in a time of prayer, the Lord ministered to me about that. He said, son, you ought to be concerned about me. Not anybody else. He said, if everything's right between you and I, don't you be concerned about anybody else. And he said, I'm not interested in embarrassing you and hanging your dirty laundry out in front of anybody else anyway. I'm not going to do that with you. And if I show you things, I don't want you to do that with anybody else. God is not interested in exposing and embarrassing and making people ashamed. He's love. Tell me what love does. Love covers a multitude of sins. The other scripture said it covers all sins. Covers all wrong. Is that the way we live? Is that the way we think? Is that the way we talk? Love covers a multitude of sins. I want to be practical about how we put this into practice. How we do this. How do you cover? I'm going to give you three things. Are you interested in this at all? How many believe it would be a good thing if you sowed this? Would it come back to you? Well, what if you're always exposing other folk? Wonder if, wonder if that would be included in judging and you wind up being judged. Absolutely. In 1 John, the fifth chapter, this is the first thing of how to cover. And it comes under the heading of prayer. How do you cover? In 1 John 5 and verse 16, he says, If any man see his brother sin a sin, he needs to let the other brothers know. Huh? (laughs) If any man see his brother sin a sin, he needs to pray to God that judgment would come. Because God hates sin. No. He can do what? He shall ask. This is prayer. And he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. I think this is a verse that is not acted on nearly as much as it could be. And should be. There are times in life with people that you know that they miss or they're missing the mark and sometimes not even fully realizing what they're doing. And the Lord said, if you ask me to, I'll forgive them. I'll give them life. Now, there is sin beyond that that you can't ask for. It's beyond what you can ask for independently of them. But have you thought much about this recently? I've been in prayer in times before. And the Lord brought that to me. He said, ask me for them. I thought, can I do that? I thought they had to ask you theirself. He brought that scripture to me. It's there, isn't it? And instead of proclaiming it, instead of exposing it, you can go to your bedroom. Amen? And here's here's the, a way of covering. You can say, Lord... I don't think they even know half what they're doing on this. Have mercy on them. Forgive them. I'm asking you for life for them. And do you know there are situations and cases that the Lord will forgive? He will cover. He will cleanse and give life simply because you asked him to? And if they're cleansed and they're covered... What is there to talk about? Right? Hallelujah. So the first area of covering is where prayer is concerned. The second area is challenging. How do you cover? You cover people with your words. In Proverbs, the scripture tells us, In Proverbs 17, verse 9, 
It says, he that covers a transgression seeks love. But he that repeats a matter separates very friends. The NIV says, he who covers an offense, covers over an offense, promotes love and is seeking love. But whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. And I think this is probably the biggest area of failure. Where people are failing to walk in love. They're failing to cover by their words. By talking it. If you're seeking love and you're thinking love toward that person, you're thinking cover. But if you're talking it, if you're repeating things that make people look bad... You can wind up being a tool of division. In Proverbs 11, verse 13. 11, 13 says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. He that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. That'll, t- that'll tell you a-, a large degree about how faithful somebody is. But if they know how to keep their mouth shut. If you consider yourself faithful, faithful, but you can't keep a secret. Then you're kidding yourself. It's amazing how people cannot grasp the phrase, don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's like people just can't wrap their head around that. Because they'll say... Okay, yeah, all right. But then there's somebody that they feel like they should tell that won't tell anybody. And then they've got five somebodies that they feel like they need to tell that won't tell anybody. (laughs) That's being unfaithful, according to the scriptures. Right? I've been in private meetings before where the leader stressed, I don't want this leaving this room. Don't tell anybody. I understood when you said don't tell anybody, I understand that there's nobody that I can tell. Did I misunderstand that? No. Right? Don't tell anyone. How many people can I tell then? No. So I didn't. I left the room, didn't tell it. Somebody calls me on the phone that afternoon from California. Asking me about the details of it. Boy, in our days of mobile phones and fax machines, news travels fast, man. News travels fast. But if you are a faithful person... And if you are a person of love, you do not repeat things that are embarrassing to people and that make people look bad. You do not divulge secrets that put people in uncomfortable positions or betray confidences. Now, all of us have missed it in these areas. Hmm? That's what all of us have. I'm telling you, some of the worst grieving I've ever done in my personal walk with God is in this area. Where he let me know in no uncertain terms I had been unfaithful. Man, that's a bad feeling. Ah, just makes you feel virtually sick inside. You just think, oh. And and what's... uh, What's worse than that is if you realize that you've let the devil use your mouth. He has used you to, to do something he wanted to do. To hurt somebody. Oh, it ought to grieve us if we realize that we've been any party to hurting somebody. Or making somebody look bad. And we've got to get rid of this crusader mentality... That somewhere or another it's our job to make sure that folk know the facts. 
Well, people have a right to know. No, you're a gossip. And an unfaithful backbiter. And it's serious business. Do you know that our biggest threat in the body of Christ is not the devil. And it's not the world. Our biggest threat comes from traitors. Traitors. And yet people would never imagine themselves a traitor. They wouldn't. But the enemy is always looking. He can't just come in and mess up the body of Christ. Oh, he wants to, but he can't. He's got to find a mouth and mouths. He's got to find people that will voice his ideas and voice what he wants said and done. If nobody would yield their mouth or yield their self to him, it'd be like he's on the back of a plate glass looking in. He couldn't say anything. He couldn't do anything. He has to get one of us. He has to get an insider. He has to have a traitor. I don't know about you, but that word, (laughs) man, it rubs me every wrong way. Man, you die before you betray. Right? You feel that way? But it is not a physical battle we're fighting. It is not a physical chair we're sitting in being (laughs) grilled, being tortured to give up secrets. That'd be easier for us to recognize. No, the devil is subtle. Oh, he's crafty. And he comes in from the angles in such a way that you think, do you remember that the Lord said in the last days there would be people that would kill Christians and betray us and think they're doing God's service? Deception. But if you had this pillar of revelation in you that you know it can't be right to expose which many do not have. But if you had that in you, it would be a protector for you. The moment you'd be tempted to tell this, or reveal this, or point this, or emphasize this, you think, no, wait up, wait up. Love covers. How can this be right? How can this be right? Because love covers. Say it one more time. Love covers. It covers the multitude of sins. It covers all sins and wrongs, the scripture said. So your words, your words. You know, the first place to look at this is at home. All the time you have husbands telling embarrassing things on their wives in front of other people. Wives telling things that their husbands would rather, rather, rather they didn't tell. Because it makes them look bad. Are you with me? Men getting together with their buddies. And saying things about their wives. About their kids. About this and that. That doesn't make them look good. Wives getting together. Pastors getting together. Talking about other pastors. Ministers getting together. Right? This is a favorite Christian pastime. We're not throwing any rocks. We've all made mistakes. But let's change it. I said, let's change it. Let's think about the effect of our words before we say them. And if it's going to paint somebody in an unfavorable light, if we care about them, we can't say it. Yeah, but it's true. See, people have this, this twisted idea, I'm a crusader for truth and right. <laughs> You're a self-righteous hypocrite. Because just the moment you train in on that sawdust in your brother's eye, what did Jesus say? You have totally forgotten about this too before. Oh, yeah. People that are so skilled in the art of discernment. 
Man, they can pick up a sin from across the room. If they'd ever trained that baby on their self. <laughs> they would get some real revelation. Well, brother, I have the gift of discernment. What they mean is they can find faults in people right and left. I know lost people that can do that. How is that a gift of the Spirit? No, 1 Corinthians is talking about discerning of spirits. It's not, not what these people are talking about at all. Anybody can see the glaring obvious faults. Anybody can state the obvious. But it takes skill. It takes tact. It takes love. To push the, the junk aside and go, look at this. <laughs> Here's a jewel here. Nobody's looking at Yeah, but are you blind? Dear God, can you see all this? Shut up. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. That takes skill. Do you think the Lord ever sees any problems in our lives? <laughs> Do you not know that the Lord could visit you tonight in your bed and reveal all of your shortcomings, all of your failures and mistakes to you in full brute force? There you go. And you'd go, ha, huh. oh God, just, just kill me. Just <laughs> put me out of my misery. It'd be too much for you. It would be too much. You'd be overwhelmed. You'd be overcome if he said, this is Christ's likeness. And this is you. <laughs> And you'd go, oh God, no way, no way. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he can take the newest baby Christian that is so unlike Christ that they don't look anything alike on the outside yet. And yet he just reveals the most needful thing and the thing that their faith can handle. Glory to God, I'm saved. Yes, you are, and I'm glad you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. There is this one little thing I'd like for you to look at. Huh? Yeah, you're washed and clean. But there's this one little thing I'd like for you to look at. So, okay, they look at it. Overcoming that air and go, glory to God, I got it now. Yeah, you did. You got it. Hallelujah. There is this, this other little thing <laughs> that I'd like for you to look at. <laughs> and they don't know it, but oh man, they got a long way to go. But he's not telling them all that. Because he's not interested in discouraging or overwhelming or overcoming. You know how I learned some of these things? Mm. I'm a teacher. And that's true 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't have to be in the pulpit. I mean, I'm thinking that way. I'm looking that way. And Phyllis, bless her heart, lives with me all the time. And I'm always seeing things. And I'm always, you know... Well, we, we could have this, and we could do this, and this is a higher level, and this is this, and this is that. And I was reading the scriptures in 1 Corinthians. You have to watch reading scriptures. You'll really, you'll get instruction and everything else. I was reading scripture, and you know, it talks about in the passage there, 1 Corinthians, about uh, uh, women not speaking out improperly in church. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home. And uh, the Lord said to me, he said, Phyllis wouldn't have to ask you. You'd just tell her. <laughs> I thought, okay. Well, what are you saying here, Lord? <laughs> he said, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so many times we, we want to tell way too much. 
and sometimes not sharp enough to realize folk are not really interested right now. <laughs> They're not, not really. I know it's a shock, but people are not always hanging on your words. Sometimes they have other things on their mind. <laughs> and beside that, if you're led, there are times and places appropriate for things. And a little bit is sometimes good, and a lot is sometimes way out of place. It's, but we're all learning. We're all growing. But if we understand this concept of love, instead of pointing to mistakes, we'll cover them. We, we will minimize them. We won't make a deal out of them. We'll go, what problem? <laughs> oh, you mean that? Like I said, what problem? Well, are you ignorant? Are you blind? There it is in front of your face. If you really walk in love, people will think you are simple and naive. They will. And, and that's why so many people are such critiquers and such criers of here's a problem because of their spiritual pride. If they see something, they want to make sure that I tell you I saw it. I saw sin. I saw it. I'm spiritual. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> I have discernment. I saw something. And at that rate, that's probably the last thing you'll see for a long time. Because God can't trust you. You're, you're a loaded gun. Right? But it takes some, some wisdom, some discretion, some love to see a lot of stuff and treat people like gold anyway. Right? And not make a deal out of it. Number one, you cover with your prayer. Number two, you cover with your words. And that's a whole lot in what you don't say. It's real simple. Monitor people you're talking with. And if you can tell that what I'm about to say is going to make this other person look bad, that should be the end of it. And if you realize that you did it and they look bad, you ought to repent. You've, you've sinned. You, we've, you've failed in the love walk. And the more uh, us ministers, we have to watch. Because uh, the more people respect our words, the more stock they put in them. And sometimes you can just not even say much. And people get an idea of something negative about somebody. People say, what about brother so-and-so and, and, and his ministry and their meetings? And you go, well, praise God. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you say something that's not, not positive. And if you, in fact, hurt that ministry, you're accountable to God. You have damaged the body of Christ. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 3? Yes. He says, those that destroy my body, I will destroy. Man, that's a strong word. I read some time ago of Dr. John Lake's writings about when he was in Africa. And uh, everything was going fine. I mean, they had a lot of ministers on the field. Work was just progressing wonderfully. And uh, some people in the States told some things on him that were not true. But it was from what people considered to be a substantial source, and numerous people that were supporting him believed it and stopped supporting him to the point that it, it, it began to cripple his ministry. He and his wife got to the place where they sold all their furniture, they sold everything they had and they sent it, you know, to Africa. And they used that up and they had nothing. And he finally took what little he had and, and, and went over there, called his ministers together to a place and told them the situation. He said, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, I have nothing else. There's some things going on that have hurt our ministry. People have withdrawn their support because of lies. 
And all I know to do is, uh, you know, I can't send you anything even for basic food. He said, we, we've just got to, to leave. And I think, I think I can get you home to the States. And they said, well, would you uh, excuse us? Let us confer among ourselves a, a bit here. So he stepped out of the room. When he came back, they looked at him and said, uh, God sent us here. We didn't come to run. We didn't come to leave. And we don't ask anything of you except if we die, that you bury us. He said, okay. And over the course of the next several months, I don't remember the exact number. It was something like over a dozen of them died just from not having enough to eat. Just not basic nourishment. Now, granted, apparently they didn't see some things about God being the provider. How I many of God could have provided for them, but they didn't see it. But you've got to honor that kind of commitment. You've got to honor that kind of determination, that kind of willingness. Man, they're going to they keep their post. And they're going to preach and they're going to do it no matter what it costs. And he stood over casket over casket over there and buried them. But I'm telling you who's going to answer for that. It's the people that use their mouth and lied and told lies on John Lake and on the ministry that allowed the devil to use it. Some people are looking for an excuse not to give anyway. And, and that, that was what they needed and they cut off support. They are responsible. We don't always look at things that way, but they wouldn't have been any deader if they'd have pulled out a pistol and shot them in the head. Words can be lethal. Words, life and death is in the power of them. Words are something that you and I are to watch carefully and not just Speak idle words, but think about the effect of these words. And I cannot say it. I dare not say it if it's going to hurt my brother. Yeah, but it's true. We're not just called to preach the truth. We're to preach the truth in love. In love. And love covers the multitude of sins. I'm telling you, friend, this is not a jump the chair service tonight, but if these truths were actually implemented in every household represented here tonight, what a difference it would make. How husbands would begin to trust wives and wives would begin to trust husbands because they know they're not divulging. They're not, they're not talking and, and staff, would, pastors would trust each other and have you ever been in an uncomfortable position, you've blown it, <laughs> you've messed up, and somebody stepped up and helped you? Somebody stepped up and scooped you out of there real quick and made light of it? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Man, you never forget it. I said you never forget it. What was that? That's love. That's what love does. Go with me to Genesis. I'll try not to keep you much longer. Genesis and the ninth chapter. Thank you, Lord. This is number three, the third thing. How do you cover? You cover with your prayer. You cover with your words. And you cover with your actions, with your deeds. There are things you can do in situations that are timely. And they help people, for lack of a better phrase, they help them to save face. They help them in their moment of weakness or in their moment of failure. You can minimize the pain somebody's going through. You can, you can make it more brief. You can help get them to a different situation, a different location, different circumstances. In Genesis 9, you see, which is to me one of the most graphic examples of what we're talking about tonight. This is the story of Noah. The flood had just occurred. And uh, beginning in verse uh, 18, 
Genesis 9.18, the sons of Noah that went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham's the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunk, and was uncovered within his tent. Now, do we know who we're talking about here? Patriarch. Man of God. How many understand that the biggest problem with leaders is that they're like you are? Human. That's their biggest problem. And uh, there's all kind of theories about why he got drunk, that the atmosphere had changed and uh, he used to drink that much wine, it didn't bother him, but now it got fermented. And I, I, I don't know about all that. But the bottom line is that he got soused. <laughs> and was so out of it that he's, he's naked in the middle of the day. <laughs> Drunk. Now... You got to remind yourself who this is. God God was angry and upset with the whole creation. He said, it grieves me that I made the thing. Have you ever thought about how close humanity came to not even being here? And yet, Noah found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. Out of all the people on the planet, God saw Noah and said, I'll save Noah and his family. This man is a man among men. This is a man of God. This is a man of righteousness. This is a man of justice. He messed up. And he's laying there naked. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. He went in the tent, saw him laying in there drunk and naked, and told his two brothers without. And did what? Told his brothers. Is that a rare situation? Could you see that happening today? Hmm? Oh, it happens all the that's That's the norm. That's what usually... You know, most people reading that think, well, what's the deal? He walked in and said, whoa, whoa. Hey, man, look. Look what daddy's doing. He soused out of his head and around in his birthday suit. <laughs> So what's the big deal? A big deal. That's not godly. That is ungodly. That is worldly. Love does what? You know the rest of it. Look at it. When he told Shem and Japheth, they took a garment, some kind of a sheet or something, and they laid it on both their shoulders, and they went backward into the tent, they covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward. They saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. So I said, well, he didn't do anything. Yes, when you betray people's weakness and failures, you did something to them. You did something to them. How many understand if you have a heart to do it, there's a way. These boys saw it. What do we do? There's a way. I said there's a way. If you have a heart to do it. And if it had just been up to these boys, probably nobody else would have known. Right? Dad might have stumbled out later with a hangover. Saying, boys, was was everything okay today? Yes, sir. Everything's just fine. I said, well, that's being deceptive. No, it's not. You don't have to say everything you know. That's right. You don't have to tell everything you see to be honest. Now, you don't lie for anybody. Even your own mother. Did you hear me? You don't lie for anybody. But that's not the same. It's not broadcasting something. Not telling something. Love covers. 
a multitude of sins. I remember teaching healing school years ago. I'd got up that morning and I had to teach three classes in school and then I had healing school. And boy, when I woke up, my stomach felt like World War III, man. I mean, it was, I don't know what was going on, which is really rare for me. I just, I just never have problems. And uh, I know how to, you know, walk in faith. I spoke to it. I got up. I got dressed. I went on. I felt like every bump I hit in the car that I was going to throw up. But I know you just, you persevere. Speak to it. Expect it to change. I got to school. Turns out later I'd eaten something bad, but I got to school. I mean, I felt like when I opened my mouth to say turn to such and such that I was going to lose it right there. But I made it through first hour. I made it through second hour. Made it through third. I mean, it felt like that through the whole thing, through third hour. And took a break for lunch and made a mistake of drinking a lot of water. That's a no-no when you're nauseated. And we got healing school. <laughs> I made it to the uh, podium, healing school, laid my Bible and my notes out. And uh, one of my ushers told me later, he said, man, you were white as your shirt. He said, I thought, what is wrong with Brother Keith? He is so pale. And I read about two scriptures and lost it. <laughs> lost my lunch and breakfast and dinner. Right there in front of all these people in healing school. <laughs> no less. <laughs> yeah, this is healing school. Yeah, he's throwing up. He's puking his guts out. Welcome to healing school. <laughs> And i tell you something that blessed me. I mean, by the time I went, uh, my guys were there. They were there with coats. They were there with paper towels. And they covered me up and swept up my stuff and swept me out of there. Because it hurt them for me to look bad. That's honor. And that's love. I said, what'd you do? I prayed. I finished throwing up. I put on a clean shirt. I came back. They had it cleaned up for me by then. And I said, let's talk about dealing with symptoms. <laughs> and finished my message by the help of the Lord. My ushers, my guys, could have stood there and pointed at me. Couldn't they? Whoa! <laughs> Look at Brother Key! <laughs> but it blessed me that they, they, I mean, they came from every corner. They just swooped on me. They just, they had me out of there before I knew what was going on. Because I was about out of it anyway. And when you love somebody, when they hurt, you hurt. When they look bad, you look bad. When something puts them in a less than favorable light, it bothers you. And if you're a party to it, it hurts you. It smites you in your being. Because everything about you that's inside, that's in God... Are the high things of existence. The honor of God. The grace of God. The love of God. Friend, this starts in your house. It starts with your loved ones. It starts on the workplace. You want to make a friend on the job? I don't care if they're the meanest, orneriest person on the job. They mess up and you help them cover it. I didn't say you lied. You don't lie for anybody. But if somebody comes through and they want to make a deal out, we got a problem here? I don't have a problem. Right? We're not exposers. We're not the, the, the ones that 
come in and look on people's nakedness and look on their times of weakness and go out and broadcast it. That is uh, detestable to us. We are the ones that if need be, we'll walk backwards and, and put the cover on. And, amen. And if people want to know about it, we can, we can say, well, I got nothing to say. You need to talk to them. What about them? I think they're wonderful. Yeah, but you know they got problems, and so do you. But we are kings. We are priests. We're to learn the honor of God and the glory of God. God has been in the covering business from the beginning. Adam and Eve sinned. And he, he made skins for them and covered them. Man continued to sin and break God's law. He provided a means where animal blood could be shed. Where it could be covered. So that it's not glaring and it's not there. And they're not having to bear the condemnation of it. And what is redemption? What is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself? Except the covering and the removal. And the cleansing and washing away of everything that makes us look bad, that demeans us, that puts us in an unfavorable light. So that once it's all said and done, we can stand up and lift our head like we never missed it, like we never failed, like we never made a mistake. And he, having known all of it, forgets it, casts it away, remembers it no more, mentions it not again, and treats us like Jesus himself. Just that clean, just that holy, just that pure. And if he's forgiven us this multi-million dollar sin as it's compared in Matthew, how much more can we forgive and hide and cover $20 sins against us and offenses against us? Can you say amen? amen. Love covers. Everybody said out loud. Love covers. Say it again. Love covers. It covers the multitude of sins. It covers all mistakes. It covers all problems. It covers. I'm not an exposer. I'm a coverer. I'm a lover. Not a revealer of problems of others' lives. Stand up on your feet, why don't you? Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 61, a passage that talks about us. He says, Their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people. All that see them will acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness, like the bridegroom decked with ornaments and the bride with jewels. Hallelujah. We stand here today covered because of his mercy and goodness. Covered with righteousness. Covered. We are a coverer of each other. Pray this out loud. Father God, open my eyes in day-to-day life. Set a watch at the door of my lips, lest I begin to divulge, to betray, to uncover, to expose another's failures and sins and shortcomings. Check me, and I'll stop. I'll repent. I'll change. Give me wisdom. Show me discretion. How that in an uncomfortable situation, I can be an aid. I can be a covering. I can be a help. I can alleviate the pain, the discomfort, the embarrassment. Give me the words. Give me the means. Give me the wisdom and the opportunity. I love you. I love your people. I don't want to see them hurt. I want to see them blessed. Make me a blessing. Make me an encourager. Make me a help to my brother. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands.
Let's thank Him. Just let the Lord minister to you a little bit. Just lift up your hands. Thank Him. Father, we bless you. We praise you. We glorify you. We exalt you. We magnify you. Oh, hallelujah. Just close your eyes just a minute. Just lift up your hand. Just pray just a little bit. Just praising the Lord. Just thanking Him just a little bit. Father, we bless You. We thank You. We exalt You. We glorify You. You are our teacher. You are our guide. You are our example to follow. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We, we need to pray this. Father God, forgive me for every wrong word that I ever spoke about my fellow Christian about any minister any of your people any of your body and I pray that those words would not have effect if they have had effect that they would cease to do so may they be forgotten and washed away help me to make anything right that I need to in Jesus name Amen This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge you can become a word sender today For more information visit our website at morelife.org